You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. When you see things that are hard around the world, in our country, when you see injustice, when you see things that aren't fair, when you see things that are, are just painful, when you see suffering in a developing nation and with people who should be cared for, but they aren't, it just adds up. And it feels like this year has just been a year that adds up, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like that somewhere in your heart? Like when you see enough headlines, it adds up. When you face enough chronic disappointment or suffering in all of its forms, it adds up in your heart. When you want to print a t-shirt that says, I survived 2020, but somewhere back in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm hoping if I were to print a t-shirt like that, that it doesn't have to have 2021 on it. We're just not sure. We're, we're living in uncertainty. And this worry and this uncertainty in our lives adds up. And it's magnified by all the tragedies, by the injustices that we see, by the traumas that we're, the, the traumas that we're trying to process through. They add up. And what I want to talk with you about today and why I believe you and also I need this sermon is that our soul is crying for deep union with God. In times like these, we're crying for more than just faith. In times like these, we're crying for something more, a deep, personal, walking union with God that carries us through hard times. And we've got to look at the words of the Bible and the people who lived real lives and faced real experiences in the Bible. And we have to say, how did they make it? How did they find hope in the midst of hardship? How did they not lose heart when it just all adds up? How did they do that? And so we're following, in the book of Acts, we're following Paul, Silas, Timothy, and others in the book of Acts. And, and in this chapter, they're moving. They're moving about the known world. And I want to show you a map here. In this map, you're seeing the, that they traveled from Lystra all the way to Troas. So that's where they've traveled. And, and in this chapter, we get introduced into who the characters are. We've got Paul. We've got Silas. We've been following them. But now we're joined by Timothy. And we're joined by Luke. Now, I want you to understand who that is. This is Luke. Luke is the author of the book of Luke in the New Testament, but he's also the author of the book of Acts that we've been reading. And what happens here, he enters the story for the first time. Don't you love that when the creator enters the movie or when the author enters a story and inserts themselves? Well, this is not just a story. This is reality. These are real things. And, and Luke is going from being a doctor who is basically taking cares and pains to write the very true account of what has happened in the launch of the early church. Luke investigates Jesus, the person, the life of Jesus, and the eyewitnesses who saw it. Now, Acts is the launch of the early church. And I love it because right here, Luke is moving from, I'm investigating what happened to, I am a part of, happening, of what's happening. I was there. And so as we're reading the book of Luke, I'm reading the book of Acts, all of a sudden you're reading, all of a sudden his narration goes from this happened to that happened to now, we, we were there. So this isn't just some historian. It's not just an investigator. He's an actual eyewitness. And so in Acts chapter 16, verse nine, it says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we, he says, got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us 
to preach the gospel to them. So isn't that beautiful? It moves from they to now we. Luke is actively involved in this part of the missionary journey of Paul. So they go. They had gone from Lystra to Troas. Now they see this vision and they're going to move in the second map from Troas all the way to Philippi. And that's where a lot is going to take place in this chapter, chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And Acts 16, beginning with verse 14, says those, they're now in Philippi. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. And she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come, stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Well, what's happening? They're going to a brand new city. They're going to a brand new place. And, and so interesting to me is that the vision that Paul has was a man, a man in Macedonia saying, come, come tell us, bring the gospel to us. But the first person as they arrived in that region in Philippi, the first person who got saved was a woman named Lydia. And this woman is a businesswoman. Obviously, the scripture said she's originally from Thyatira, but she was a dealer in purple cloth. And maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but she was a high fashion dealer in purple. Purple in that day and age was the color only worn by royalty or the rich. So this woman is a successful businesswoman. This woman is making an impact. She is a one who's providing that for fashion you know, people and for rich people and the famous people and the royal people. She's also a Gentile. She's not a Jew, but picture this. She's a Gentile woman who's attracted to Judaism. See, she, she doesn't know who Jesus is until Paul's message, but she's attracted to try to find out who God is. And I love this, that once again, God shows the early church that he does great things through women and he hasn't stopped God is still doing great things in the lives of women and the lives of men who follow him. Now note, though this businesswoman, she's at the place of worship, which would be the place of worship where the Jews would go, but this businesswoman has closed down her trade on the Sabbath in order to seek God. That's pretty significant when you don't actually know God yet, but she has a heart to know God. Well, what does it say? The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message and God does that. God does things to open people's heart to respond to his message. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, people like you and me, we ought to be on the lookout for people who are currently open to Jesus. Be on the lookout that God is going to begin to awaken a desire in people's heart and they're gonna be open to the message of Jesus. And he's called the people of Jesus who are to be a witness and those who speak about Jesus, that God is gonna open people's hearts and we're to look for those who currently are open to Jesus. Let me tell you something. There is nothing like a worldwide pandemic for people to become open to the truth. See, people even who were formerly totally disinterested in Jesus, not interested in faith or the gospel or church, all of a sudden have begun to have their hearts opened in the crisis of a pandemic to find out more and what the truth actually looks like. I mean, you wanna know why I think people are so crazy right now? Because our world's gone mad, right? Why are people so crazy right now? They've got a long list of reasons to be crazy, but let me tell you what I think the core is. 
mean, people are panicked. They're angry. They're harassed. They literally believe, this is why I believe our world is crazy. People literally believe that this life is their one shot. It's all they've got. And so this life, the one life they have, that's all they've got. They believe that this is their one chance and that this is their life and that the world is destroying it. The world is crashing around them. It is burning, in a sense, it around them. And they're so frustrated, they're so angry, they might not even be able to put words to it, but it's because they don't have hope beyond this life. They believe that this is it. And this one life, this is my one shot, my one chance, and it is disappointing me, and there's suffering in this life, and it doesn't fulfill me, and there's got to be something more because my one chance, my one hope is being destroyed around me. And let me tell you, when that happens and people come to that awakening, God begins to open hearts to respond to the gospel. They're looking for hope, even if previously they were totally disinterested. So what do you need to do? Be on the lookout for God opening people's hearts to Jesus. Why? Because he's the way. He's the legitimate way. He's the truth. And he's the life. And when I say the life, I mean more than just survival. I mean, he is life. So what happens? Lydia receives Jesus as Lord, as does her family. They're baptized. And then she promptly displays the Christian trait of hospitality. Listen, I believe that a woman who is fully committed to the Lord is a powerful force for him in her home and in her work and in her community. And we see that in the life of Lydia. Now this woman Lydia is contrasted in Acts chapter 16 to another woman. This woman's not a high fashion businesswoman; She's a slave. This woman doesn't have it good. She's basically being trafficked by her owners to make money. And she was owned by these people she is said to have had a demon in her who would tell the future. And so her slave owners were trafficking her. She gets none of the resource, none of the money. She's a slave, but she's making money for her owners because by the spirit of a demon in her, she's able to do fortune telling. Literally, the Bible says that she had the spirit of Python in her and she was leveraging this demon to be able to tell the future. And so in Acts chapter 16, it picks up. Once, Luke writes, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. I mean, how annoying would that be, right? Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. So the demon left her. But of course, we have no indication that the woman being freed of a demon ever put faith in Jesus. She's still a slave She's still at the beckon or the mercy of her owners. Her life hasn't changed significantly other than that now she's not demon-possessed. So she's freed from the prison of being demon-possessed. Demons have faith. Do you know that? They believe in Jesus and they shudder 
because they know he's the judge. They know he's the way, the truth, and life. She told the truth when she said, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. But that's not the witness that God ever asked for. And that's not the witness that Paul and Silas were seeking, the word of a, of a fortune teller to proclaim the name of Jesus. But she's now freed from the prison of demon possession. But at this moment, the focus of what's written here focus, turns away from this woman who was demon possessed and now focuses on Paul and Silas. Why? Because they get unjustly arrested. They get beat severely. They get stripped naked. They get hauled off to the jail that doesn't have recess or nice meals or anything else. They get hauled off to the jail and they get their feet put in shackles, in stocks. So the woman is freed from being demon-possessed in the prison of demonization, but Paul and Silas are now the ones imprisoned. Like, how painful is that? How disappointing if you're like, I'm going to preach the gospel of people. I've got the spirit of God with me. This demon-possessed woman comes back. We counter that demon. The demon flees. The woman's freed from the prison of being demonized. And now they are the ones who are grabbed. They're seized. They're suffering. They're beaten. They're thrown in prison. It is not fair. It is not right. But that is what exactly what happened to them in their effort to share the gospel. I mean, literally, how, how many times... Are God's people going to be treated unjustly? And how do you go through suffering for a guy like Paul or a guy like Silas, who this has happened to more than once? And how do you not cause all that suffering to add up to make you lose heart? Well, write this down. Suffering can interrupt your union with God. What do I mean union with God? I mean your unity with God, the closeness of your heart and your ability to trust and to love God and to serve him. But suffering can interrupt that, can't it? I mean, we talk a lot about encountering God, growing through community or through circles, right? And then live your calling. And what we mean by that, if you were just looking for those three as a checklist, that literally is you just trying to become a better person. I'm just going to try and encounter God. I'm going to grow through a circle. And I'm going to try to like serve. I'm going to live my calling. I'm going to try to serve. Well, that's just you becoming a better person. But your soul wants something deeper with God. And we mean much more than that in your walk with God. We want you to experience a deep union with God that for all of us, we encounter God to come to faith, but we want to continue to encounter him every day. We want to walk with him. We want our soul to have a deep union with him. Of course, we want to know the Bible deeper and we want to, to grow in our faith in that way, but that's faith. What I'm talking about is your soul having a deep connection, a deep trust and a union with God. We want that. So what do we mean? We mean encountering, keep on encountering. Don't just have faith, but have a deep union with the source of your life. Why? Because like, let's just be honest. Um, I've got faith in my surgeon, but we don't vacation together. Like I don't really know him. So you can have faith, but it doesn't mean that your soul is having a deep union with God. And especially when times are difficult or times are trying. So not just serving, not just believing somehow, and not just having a one-time experience with God but truly walking with God to allow your soul to have a deep union 
with him, to be in deep unity and union with him. But let me tell you, I believe that that is absent in so many people right now. It's why so many people are dry right now. So many people are depleted right now. So many people are lonely right now because simply having faith isn't the same as having a deep union in your heart with God. I mean, wherever you are right now, well, here's what I want you to do. This is going to be interactive. So if you're at home or you're at work, you're watching on a mobile device, unless you're driving, here's what I want you to do. Right now, what I want you to do is I want you to take your palms. I want you to put them together like this, kind of like a high five. You just high five somebody like that. This means like, hey, God, I got you. I'm just high fiving you. Yeah, good job, right? But it's way different between high fiving and opening your hands, spreading your fingers apart and doing this. Do this with your hands. This is a deep union. This is less easily broken. It's not just a high five with God. It's a a, a deep union with God. And that is what your soul is longing for. God, attach me to you. Let me walk with you. Let you be the source of my life in a life that all these other things will deplete from me. See, the enemy loves to use suffering and chronic disappointment to break your union with God. He's gonna come along. He's gonna whisper some things to you. He's gonna say, look, Look how God failed you. Look how you are forgotten. And where is God in all this injustice? And it's very easy for any person to agree with those lies and begin to break union in your heart with God. You trust him a little less. You walk with yourself a little more. You rely on yourself a little bit more. You get a little jaded. You begin to feel it on the inside. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this down. Name what suffering has broken your union with God. Name it. That that suffering that you're experiencing, it has a name. That suffering you experienced in the past, it has a name. What has been eroding your union with God? Because suffering in all its forms and chronic disappointment will erode union with God if you're not careful. So we gotta be careful to write it down, to name the suffering that God has walked us through but the enemy wants to use against us to turn against God. See what happens like a, like a tree burned in a wildfire or a tree that has actually just been eaten by bark beetles. Both of them are dry. And maybe for you, your union with God has been broken. Maybe it was a big one-time suffering like a wildfire. Maybe it's just, you just feel like I've been eaten up by bark beetles. But either way, suffering begins to erode your union with God. So we want to name what it is. Write it down. Maybe it's the loss of your daughter. Maybe the suffering you experience is the betrayal at work or your chronic back pain or the loss of your senior year or the disappointment of your relationship or just ongoing, relentless injustices in our world. Maybe it's the loss of your freedoms or it's a sudden trauma that you've experienced. Name it. Write it down. What beating has your soul taken and what prison did it throw you in? It has a name and it's good for us to write it down. So how do we heal? How do we restore the union of our soul to God? How do we trust him again and and believe him again and walk with him again? How do we counter the lies and the whispers of the demonic forces who are bent on your ruin? How do we fight back with that? Well, I believe Acts chapter 16 gives us some insight. Let's look at what Paul and Silas did after being beaten and unjustly arrested and thrown in prison. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Well, of course the other prisoners are listening to them because it's really the last response you'd ever expect. The other prisoners are listening to Paul and Silas with bruised lips, with bleeding cuts, with sores that are not cared for, who are naked and tied up in stocks. They're listening to them singing hymns and giving praises to God. I guarantee you every prisoner in that jail is thinking back to their experience of being arrested and thrown in jail and not one of them is going, did I pray? Did I sing praise to God? This is very different. And we begin to see what Paul and Silas are doing. Think about it. How much suffering and loss and dreams, shattered dreams, disappointments were wrapped up in that prison. A lot of people in that day and age unjustly thrown into prison, unable to repay debts that they could never pay because they can't work because they're in prison. So they know this is it. Other people who are facing being justly tried and thrown in prison, but regardless, they had hopes and dreams that are now disappointed. So here's Paul and Silas in a prison of broken dreams with all their fresh wounds and they're praying and they're singing and in doing so, they're attaching their union to God. And what does that do when they're attaching their union to God? It's keeping the lies and the whispers of the evil one in their suffering, in their disappointment, in their setback, in the injustice of their cause. It is keeping the lies and the whispers of the evil one at bay. Because they know how easy it is to have your union with God eroded. And guess what? Everybody else is listening. Well, what do they recognize? Paul and Silas recognize that now more than ever in my moment of suffering, I need union in my soul with Jesus or I cannot go on. Now listen, I'm not telling you if you've experienced an immense amount of trauma that a song and a prayer are going to somehow fix your wounds. For that, you're gonna need some good Christian counseling. You're gonna to need to wade in and go after the matters of the heart, but you gotta invite God along in that process because the nature of the trauma that you've experienced, its agenda is to get you to mistrust God and to simply believe that God is not there for you and wasn't. And that's the lie of the evil one. But identifying and naming your suffering is the beginning of your soul to draw back close to God. Why? because God wants you free from it. He wants, you to he, he wants to heal your wounds. He wants to take you out of the prison that suffering or chronic disappointment have put you in so that you can help others out of their prisons. Acts 16, verse 26, it, the, the passage here absolutely accelerates. I love it. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights. And he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why is he doing that? Because he heard them praising. He heard them singing. He knew that there was more going on here. He knew that it was crazy that the prison falls down and the prisoners are freed, but they don't run away. He knows his life is at stake. He's about to be the one imprisoned and killed because he's entrusted with securing these prisoners and he can't. And he comes trembling and he says, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of God to him and to all the others in his house. 
And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and was filled with joy because God had come, because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. See, Lydia was a high fashion dealer. She accepted Christ and instantly showed hospitality. The jailer now goes from being the jailer with prisoners and he shows Christian hospitality as well. But I love the words that Paul said, and maybe if you're listening today, this is the sermon that God wanted you to hear. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. It feels like nobody's here, like everybody's separated. But the truth is, God is calling out to you. The church is calling out to you. Christians are calling out to you and saying, listen, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Listen, you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are the church. And there are those who are despairing of life out there right now. And they're watching, they're listening how you're processing COVID, how you process the injustices of the world, how you process all that you're processing in your own suffering. And they're watching you to say, are you gonna experience a deeper union with God that my soul is crying for? Do you have that? Is there a song in your heart? Is there a prayer on your lips? And can that be true of me? They're looking and realizing that we have the hope of Christ. And what the enemy wants to do is interrupt your union, a deep union that you have with Christ through uncertainty, through injustice, and through suffering. And I want to remind you right now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God is calling you back to renew your union with him. Name the suffering you've been through. Recommit to God Begin to sing and pray and make music in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's not only for your benefit and the benefit of your soul and my soul, but for the benefit of those who are watching, the benefit of those who are listening. Let your joy awaken because your soul is coming back into deep union with God. And maybe right now that's you, that you're a person who just said, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear Paul say, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Maybe you've been despairing of life and, and you want to be saved. Well, the response that Paul gave to the jailer is the same response that any Christian and the Bible and this message right now gives to you. And that is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection and you will be saved. Well, how do you do that? You gotta introduce your soul to God. And the way you do that is through prayer. So right where you are, prayer is just talking to God, but maybe say something to him like this, right wherever you are, just pray and he hears you, even in your heart, to say, Jesus, today, I give you me. I realize my soul can't be saved without you. I believe that you were crucified, that you were unjustly tried and you were murdered, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God and you were willing on that cross to take my sin upon yourself. And so I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sin, to wash my heart as white as snow, make me a new creation on the inside, make my soul have union with you, because today I give you me. And if you prayed that prayer right now, 
then there are angels who are rejoicing in heaven. There are believers around you who will rejoice with you if you tell them in the chat or you tell them in person of the decision you just made right now. And they would cry out to you, don't harm yourself. We are all here. We are in this together. That God has created community. We want you to encounter God and grow through community and live your calling. You are a new creation. You don't have to fear death. This life is not all that you have that God now guarantees you an afterlife in a place called heaven where there is no more tear, no more sorrow and the old order of things, there's no more pain. The old order of things has passed away and we are looking forward to being in that place. This step of our life is a speed bump on the road on the way to heaven and God wants you during this life to not get discouraged, to walk in union with him. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.